Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marshall fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas, Wallace and Millard at T-Mobile Arena. Chris Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... I can't tell you (laughs) how excited I am for Game 7. This may sound weird, but please just bear with me. Game 6 offered the same opportunity as Game 7 tonight. Yep. Win and you go to the to the second round. My level of enthusiasm for tonight because of the one game and the special nature of a game seven in professional sports, and in particular, the highest level of hockey in the world, uh, just causes this to go through the roofs. There, there, there is something different about a game seven in the Stanley Cup playoffs that I would say is separate from any other sport, NBA, baseball i I know that the the dynamics are similar but just the feeling of a game seven in hockey well i can't wait so this is the first game seven that i'm going to be in the building like Mm -hmm. obviously i've covered game sevens in the past but i've never actually been in the building to feel the energy to see what the crowd does in different periods of the game whether whether your team is ahead whether behind how you rally all those things It's going to be a new experience for me, and I'm so excited to just get a taste of what that's going to be like in the building, live, in real time. So here's the uh, weird thing. Uh, Last year, Vegas had last change in their most recent game, 7. Where do you watch that game? (laughs) Uh, I watched that game from the studio. Hmm. Why? Because it was in a bubble in Edmonton. Right. Yes. So already, I'm looking around the ring. Well, you and I, <laughs> we've already we've already doubled the crowd from the last game seven uh, because we're actually in the building. Uh, an estimated crowd of zero. Uh, watch that three nothing <laughs> victory by the Vegas Golden Knights against the Vancouver Canucks tonight. Twelve thousand plus will be here, and there is there is a, a little bit of a mystery about what it's going to be like. We know this environment this vibe presentation is unlike anything else in hockey yes now the stanley cup playoffs always takes it up a couple of notches in in the four years well three years because they didn't play uh here last year now what happens in a game seven does the roof really get blown off the place even with uh, less than than a full building uh, what what's the reaction to if you don't get a goal for a little bit mm-hmm. or the reaction if there's a goal by the opposition uh, in, in the first period? There's a there few question marks. The, game number one, it was a tentative crowd. I right. really felt it was a tentative crowd during that, uh, that one. I don't, that's not why Minnesota won one nothing in overtime, but it wasn't that same 
buzz as the game went along. There was more, oh, we haven't scored. We're not done. I think that they'll come loaded for bear tonight. I truly do to try and set the tone for the team. For me, I think that, in, like, I'm always going to pay attention to the start of the game on the ice. Like, which team is kind of taking that first uh, swing at, at momentum or, or dictating the rate of play. But beyond all that, what I'm clued in on tonight is the crowd. And in much the same way you just mentioned, like, how are they going to react to different periods within this game? If we see something that bears out similarly to what we saw in game one, where, you know, not not much is going on there aren't many chances it's it's kind of a stalemate type of a game how much energy is that is this crowd going to bring yeah. in those moments because those are the moments where i think the crowd needs to be as engaged as ever that's where you want to try to to do what you can as a fan to really bring that energy and you know you you look at buildings around the league and and i think this building is second to none the fans are super engaged and I just think that a, a big start, a fast start from the Golden Knights with the type of energy I'm expecting in this building with 12,000-plus fans has a recipe to snowball if you get one or two early. Well, it, it makes it more enjoyable, too. Yeah. We, <laughs> yes. we've, we've watched the Carolina-Nashville series and how those fan bases have gone back and forth. That, that is not your Montreal-Toronto historic rivalry. No. And yet... That series is was far more compelling than the Toronto Montreal one is mm-hmm. because of the environment in in, in the buildings. Uh, so, whether you're listening to this game tonight on the uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas and the VGK Radio Network, or you're watching uh, on AT and T Sportsnet, uh, the in, the crowd is going to make it interesting, more intriguing to watch, and can uh, can influence a little bit. Is it the be all end all? Obviously not, but I do believe that it has the potential to uh, pull a team back mm-hmm. or push a team over the edge uh, in, in trying to put a team away. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I do think the crowd is going to play a, a role in this game. And, you know, again, for the players now, it's, it's do-or-die mentality, right? For mm-hmm. the Golden Knights, now your backs are against the wall. You're faced with a game in which if you lose, it's season over. But if you win, you build some heroes here. And that's the, that's the way that I'm choosing to look at this. For the Golden Knights, for every single player that's going to suit up in this game that's going to be available, every single one of them has the potential to be a Game 7 hero, and that's pretty awesome. Uh, I'm going uh, to join you on the uh, pregame show uh, in the next hour. Yes. And I've got this, this analogy that I use for a Game 7. And, and how it compares to the first six games. I'm going to save that for the, for the pregame show. But uh, I look at this tonight, and I go through my notes, and uh, Alec Martinez is the only defenseman that scored a goal. Uh, that, uh, that needs to get better from, mm-hmm. from the blue line court. Yep. Uh, we took calls yesterday, and Alex Petrangelo was, uh, was in the crosshairs of the, of the, uh, the, the fans. Yep. They, they weren't happy. Uh, Shea Theodore hasn't produced a point yet. Uh, those two players, like we won't be talking about the first six games of those two players if they contribute to uh, a victory tonight. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's the magic eraser board, and you just wipe it clean. Uh, up up front, uh, Jonathan Marchessault's got a goal. I think he's played great, 
but he can become that instant hero if he produces uh, a performance. Ryan Reeves didn't play last game. He's on the COVID list. Mm-hmm. Uh, false positive. He's he's available tonight. Yeah. Does Ryan Reeves go from COVID ineligible mm-hmm. to being a hero tonight? Uh, there's there's different areas that uh, of potential, or is it the captain? Sure. Who just does it again? Uh, take your pick. There's there's so many possibilities, but for a especially for a young franchise, mm-hmm. like we're not talking. This is the first double overtime goal by a Golden Knight since 1942, when Howie Meeker scored to <laughs> propel the Toronto Maple Leafs to the to the Stanley Cup final. This is you become instantly part of the lore because it's year number four. Would it surprise you if it was Alec Martinez? No. Yeah. Not based on on his his record history. Yeah. For being able to score big goals and and handle big situations. I mean that. That year that he scored those huge goals for the L.A. Kings, mm-hmm. they were expected to challenge for the Stanley Cup. He came through in, in massive moments. This team is expected to challenge for the Stanley Cup. He's already scored one big power play goal that, uh, that gave his team a good look in, in game five. No, I, no I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, neither would I. And, and I, I bring up Alec Martinez's name because when you, when you look at Game seven experience when you look at just a player that that knows how to to kind of elevate the game in the biggest moments. He's one that comes to mind for me. Obviously, we know Mark Andre Fleury, no stranger mm. to Game Seven heroics, as you uh, mentioned to a a fan yesterday who uh, was a Detroit Red Wings fan. So, like this team in the Golden Knights, though it's a young franchise, do have a lot of veteran leadership and veterans that have been in this position before and. The expectations, the weight of the expectations for the Golden Knights come down to one game. I'm, I'm most curious to see how the Golden Knights deal with that pressure mm-hmm. because I, I do look at this team as one that raises their level of play when the pressure is at its highest. And this couldn't, couldn't more accurately describe this game. There's a lot of reasons why you go, this is just an odd year. 56 games. Uh, COVID, uh, playing without players, middle of a, a series, having those players back because of false positive. Like, uh, you're, you're playing a team that's not even in your division yep. traditionally. Uh, there's, there's so many different areas that you go, hmm, strange. Uh, we've already had three number three seeds pull off upsets in these playoffs. So, like, it's just, there's, there's and, and a number four seed pull off an upset. Yeah. So it's, it's a different it's a different year. However, even with that, the Golden Knights won 40 games this year, finished in a tie for first overall in a season that they are expected to challenge for the Stanley Cup. We're expected to battle for that number one seed in the West Division. A first-round loss, even if it's in Game 7, is still falling significantly short of what was anticipated by this group of players. Mm-hmm. Uh, call it a bad matchup. Call it against your uh, your kryptonite. Doesn't matter. As a, a first round defeat would be a disappointment. Thus, there is pressure all the way down the lineup to the very bottom 
of, of the support of this team. All the way through, this club needs to win this game. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I mean, this is, and it, it's, it's interesting it comes down to one game, but for the Golden Knights, there's significant pressure here. And while the Minnesota Wild have clawed themselves back into this series, while they've managed to push this to a Game 7, essentially playing absent of the pressure, is there not some pressure in oh, this yeah. situation on Minnesota as well? So Vegas has pressure of expectations. Yes. Minnesota has the pressure of opportunity. Will Minnesota become that Cinderella team? Will you look back on this being the start of a run? The same way that Winnipeg looks back on their sweep of Edmonton. Will it be the start of a magical run? Like when, when Vegas in their first year, even mm-hmm. though they were a higher seed, still uh, launched a, a magical run. That, that's, what, that's what Minnesota's playing for right now, Ryan, is opportunity. And I, I guess the interesting part about it is, like, there's never any guarantees in this game. When you think that you're on the cusp yeah. of a window opening, you never really know. You never know if you're going to get back. You never know if you're going to be able to to kind of capture that again. So for the Minnesota Wild, right now in front of them is a glorious opportunity to win a series, go on to the second round, and see what they can do in, in a, a season where they've overachieved. Yeah, they, they haven't won a round in five tries, in their last five tries. Yeah. Vegas is attempting to reach the second round for the third time in four years. <laughs> so, one, one expected to go. The other one is building. They just happen to be both having really good seasons, and Minnesota has had a, a really good season. Uh, but, but when you look at the the big picture, Minnesota loses today. Mm-hmm. It's tolerated. It's not accepted because you you pass on a golden uh, look at the second round. But it's tolerated. Uh, a Golden Knights loss, and I, I hate to, to put it in those terms, uh, a loss, but anything but a Golden Knights win yeah. is looked at as coming up short. Right. And that's not a, that's not a bad thing to have that pressure. Uh, of expectation. That means your owner's doing what your owner uh, does, and mm-hmm. that gives you an incredible roster by spending to the cap. Uh, management has stretched it beyond the cap uh, with, uh, with trying to give them the ultimate number of uh, elite players, mm-hmm. and the players themselves ha- have put some pressure on themselves uh, to be able to come true and, and, and through to the performance. So pressure is not a bad thing. To be, to be the favorite is not a bad thing because you, sh- you have generally more talent. Now, come through on that more talented team. So where, where are you at in terms of this game? Like, as, as you're trying to listen to your gut, right? Like, mm-hmm. as, as you're, you're getting to the rink, driving to the rink today, you get here, you get into the building, you, you start to kind of just get a sense of, of where you're at, where you're settling in. Where are you at with this game? It's funny. A, a year ago, I was nervous watching the Vancouver series as okay. it went along. Yeah. Because it was it was a goalie that was just playing out of his mind. Yeah. I'm not nervous watching this, even though it's a much better team that they're playing. And 
it's not a goaltender that has dominated the series like Thatcher Demko did last year. Right. So so really, it, my gut's going against what I'm looking at in this situation. Uh, I expected this series to go six. It's gone seven. But the way this team has been able to respond to difficult and challenging situations throughout the year uh, and come up with heroic performances, whether it's the goaltender, whether it's Mark Stone, whether it's Max Pacioretty scoring in overtime. They've done it. So why would I doubt that they would be able to come through now? They've shown me no indication that they haven't been able to respond in big situations. And tonight is a big situation. I have not an ounce of nervousness about this game. And, which is kind of surprising because I'm a nervous, <laughs> nervous person to, to begin with. Uh, I, I can I can get nervous ordering uh, white rice uh, in a restaurant. Like, I, come on! I, I'm just telling you, I, I can I can create anxiety where there shouldn't be anxiety. I I have a great feeling about this game. You know, I I just have excitement for it. Like, mm. I, I woke up this morning excited. I got to the rink excited, and I think a lot of my excitement stems from my belief system in this team's ability to rise to the occasion. Like, when, when you look at their record after a loss, when you look at what they're able to do uh, after being shut out and, and what they average in terms of goals, almost four goals a game after, after a shutout, like, I, I just look at this team as one of those teams that you can't really keep them down no. for a long period of time. You can't win three in a row. You can't win four in a row against this team because they just don't get themselves into those habits for multiple games. They've been so consistently good all year long that in terms of this game, when everything's on the line, I think you see a team that comes out absolutely inspired to put on a show and advance to the second round and meet the Colorado Avalanche because that's what everyone wants to see. Like, no disrespect to Minnesota. Yeah, no. Everyone wants to see Vegas, Colorado on Sunday. Every single hockey fan wants that matchup. The fear is it's one game. Yeah. The fear is it's close deep into the game in this one game. The fear is it comes down to one bounce. That's the risk. Yep. And it's real. That's the position that you have to fight through and overcome, is making this series. It's already down to one game. Sure. You've fallen into that. Yep. You have to avoid putting yourself in a position where one bounce can hurt you. How, how important is it then? Because, like, we, we've talked about the Golden Knights kind of, you know, playing, like, in game six. I, I use the phrase playing not to lose, right? Like, mm. more passive than, than I think I wanted to see them in that situation. But, again, they knew there was another opportunity. Minnesota took advantage of a couple of Golden Knights' mistakes. Mistakes are going to, to need to be minimized as much as possible, but how much of that has to come from, you know, not playing a passive style, not not allowing the game to kind of unfold, but going urgency. out there and being urgent in yeah. this in this situation. I think urgency is is a big part of what Pete DeBoer will talk to uh, his team about. Uh, from all indications are uh, from this morning's 
a meeting with the team and uh, a very lightly attended uh, optional skate. It wasn't about strategy. This is the 15th game that they're going to play against the Minnesota Wild this year. <laughs> there, there's, there, there's some X and O's uh, that you'll maybe tweak a little bit, mm-hmm. but a half turn. <laughs> that's, that's about it. <laughs> uh, if, if, if that on, on the lug nut. Uh, the, where, you, where you want to drive at home is a little more urgency. We haven't seen in the first period that initiative taken by the, the Golden Knights for the entire frame since game number one. Mm-hmm. So that's five straight games where Minnesota's either been even or had the edge in the first 20 minutes. Sh- taking the initiative with the crowd, that's important, but taking the initiative for yourself and instilling that on the Minnesota Wild is is big in my books. I, I've, I've commented a couple of times during the course of the last few games that I've been impressed with the composure and the calmness of the Golden Knights, especially in their media availability or talking to Stormy uh, in between periods on the television side. Really uh, just a, a zen-like feel. We, we Tie game, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, Riley Smith, calm. Yep. Mark Stone, calm. Time, time to turn that calmness, uh, not, not into panic, and not into putting the weight of the world of your on your shoulders because there's so much pressure because you're supposed to win this game, but I'd like to see a little bit more urgency, and that's a fine line uh, in this group. Part like you you love to have a team that's calm and mm-hmm. composed. Yeah. Uh, and then as soon as we get it, I say I'd like to see a little bit more urgency. But so then you know, uh, with Ryan Reeves being an option, how much does does inserting a player like Ryan Reeves with his ability to get in, lay a big hit, want to be on the yeah. forecheck, want to push around the, the Minnesota Wild, like how much does that kind of, in this spot, help with that? You know what I like about Ryan Reeves being in the lineup and uh, working with uh, Will Carrier and uh, maybe uh, Patrick Brown, uh, if, if, if that's the unit, is they don't have to generate a chance to get the, the people and get the building alive. Sure, yep. They don't have to go create a two-on-one or uh, a bang-bang play. They throw the puck in the corner and hammer somebody. Mm-hmm. And you might be able to make the claim and sell me that the, the crowd goes even crazier with that. So I, I think, while not responsible for the goal scoring tonight, I think that line, and I would anticipate that they would start. Mm-hmm. They, they, they've started every other game. Yep. Reeves back in the lineup. That line has a real responsibility to not just hold its own uh, on the scoreboard when they're out there, yep. but to generate some, some enthusiasm and some, some noise on the ice with, with their forecheck. They, this is a puck possession team, Ryan. Mm-hmm. They don't like to necessarily dump it in, mm-hmm. and I like that. The fourth line, you throw it in the corner and you drill somebody. And not not to hurt them, yeah. But to get it going, and that's the responsibility that that Ryan Reeves, and that's the advantage of having Ryan Reeves back in the lineup uh, tonight. I anticipate mm-hmm. he goes after the false positive. Can we just say uncle to that, by the way? Yes, one hundred percent. The false positives. Yep. Uh, uh, that's the that's the responsibility that that line has, and I don't think it's insignificant. I put I put a lot of stock in it. Yeah, I, I think you. 
you get one of those classic meat grinder shifts to start the game. You've got Carrier banging bodies. You've got Reeves banging bodies. And and regardless of if they score, regardless of if you, you skate even and they get off the ice, you get a couple of big hits early on in this game, and I think the crowd responds in kind. Now, Dean Evison's uh, come back with uh, the Kaprizov-Zuccarello line, head-to-head with the meat grinders uh, when, when Pete DeBoer does that. Uh, that that tells you two things. One, Pete DeBoer can put out whoever he wants because mm-hmm. he sees who the Minnesota Wild are starting because of last change, and he still puts them out there. Yeah, That's how much faith he has in them. But that faith has to be repaid with you can't let that top line <laughs> get going. No. And they haven't. they haven't. They yeah. haven't. Uh, but uh, there's, there's real responsibility right off the bat. Because in, in the second period, at the 13-minute mark, Pete DeBoer's not putting the meat grinders out there against Kaprizov. No. But off the start, set the tone. It's, 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 it's a chance. It's pretty cool. 100%. I'm I'm looking for. I'm I'm so nervous and, and not nervous but nervous nervous excitement. Like I'm I'm just ready for game 7 to be mm-hmm. here. You know what I mean? I'm I'm yeah. ready for the puck to drop. I cannot wait for this game. There's nothing like it. And I I've told you that there's 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 an ability to handle and watch and cover the National Hockey League. And then there's a game 7. And it's unique. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, talk about some other happenings. And we're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, ninety-eight point nine FM and thirteen forty AM. Working our way towards puck drop, six o'clock here at T-Mobile Arena. Dan Duva, Gary Lawless will have the call of Game Seven, the first Game Seven at T-Mobile Arena, third Game 7 in the history of the Vegas Golden Knights, a 1-1 record uh, in the series deciders coming in. Pre-game show, 5 o'clock, top of the hour with Ryan Wallace. We continue with the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas uh, along with Ryan Darmillard here in Section 104 on the flight deck of T-Mobile Arena. I want to bring you up to date with uh, some other happenings in the National Hockey League. Congratulations to the Carolina Hurricanes who advanced to the second round and will face... The Tampa Bay Lightning in the Central Division Final, which is also known as the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, It occurred via an overtime goal last night, the fourth straight overtime game between those two clubs as the series ends in six. So, okay, like for me, the Sebastian Ajo tip, not the one in overtime, but the one where where he gets it to three to two, it's a great play by Dougie Hamilton to just get the puck to the net. But Ajo going against the grain, going far side on the tip, was just so beautiful. And then the set play off the faceoff, Slavin to Dougie Hamilton to tie the game. I love the way the Carolina Hurricanes operate in the offensive zone. They, they just keep the pressure up. They keep going. They keep looking for offense. They're just a fun team to watch. The, the tip on the winner. By Ajo, yeah, was one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. <laughs> Normally, when you tip a puck, it's down. He tips it slightly up and only slightly up, and I don't know. How. the The scary part to me is he meant to do it. Like how you it comes into your head as an as an athlete and have that skill and uh, one the mind to do it and then the hands to do it was was phenomenal. I I, I was blown away by the the, the game winning goal. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, I. 
I think there's a lot of people that are going to be firmly in the Carolina Hurricanes camp in terms of this series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, the Lightning are the villains here. I, I really do believe that, and I cannot wait to see how that round, that series starts to kind of play itself out because I think you've got two really, really fantastic teams. Uh, before we look ahead, though, we should probably deal with what's happening between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Nashville Predators. Did you hear about this today? I did. This Twitter feud between the two organizations? Big fan. Is it made up, or do you think there's something legitimate there? Well, I mean, I think that the Carolina Hurricanes poked a lot of fun at the Nashville Predators' penchant for raising ridiculous banners. And, uh, you know, after eliminating a team in the playoffs and then kind of making fun of something that they do. It's not a, it's not a cool look. What, by the, by the Hurricanes? Yeah. Come to to it's make fine. fun of a team no, after you bounce it's, them. It's fine. It's fine. Like that's that's what their tri- that's that's what their Twitter has become known for. Like it's totally fine. Trolling, in my trolling book. another yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, like I'm all for trolling. Like I'm friends with Tyler Bischoff. Come on. Yeah, he's the ultimate troll. <laughs> so I thought it was Tyler lives under a bridge somewhere. <laughs> that's a fair point. I I thought it was incredibly funny, and I love the fact that when the Predators <laughs> blocked the Hurricanes on Twitter. The Hurricanes took a screenshot, and then they tweeted out the fantastic lyric of, I've got friends in low places. It's beautiful. Which is, uh, which is awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I don't know whether a team's ever blocked another team. That was neat. Uh, I liked it. <laughs> uh, I, I did enjoy it. Uh, Montreal Canadiens blow a 3 nothing lead and win it in overtime. But not just blowing a 3 nothing lead and winning it overtime against the high-powered and favored Toronto Maple Leafs. But they did it in overtime on a two on O. <laughs> so, okay, as as much as Alex Galchenyuk had a great game for the Toronto Maple Leafs, scored a big goal, uh, it's a tough giveaway there, especially that early in overtime. Like, I understand you're trying to make a play, but just put the puck down low. Don't don't go blind through the middle of the ice. And then you've got Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, the the next wave for the Montreal Canadiens, right? Like the, the two guys you're looking at in terms of offensive production that, that you believe can kind of be very good for a long time. And it's Cole Caulfield going back to Nick Suzuki. I expected Caulfield to shoot. As soon as he got that puck, I thought he was going to shoot. He goes right back to Suzuki. It's a tap-in goal, and the youth serves Montreal well in that game. You didn't have time to think that Caulfield was going to shoot it. I thought he because, I, because it was going. It went no, back no, 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 right no, away. No, no, no. When when Suzuki made the pass to yeah. Caulfield, I'm like, that he's going to shoot. And then it went back the other way. And then I was like, oh man, no wonder Jack Campbell couldn't make the save. It was a great boom, give and go yes. uh, as they played it back and forth. No, so Montreal now has a game six on home ice and there's going to be 2,600 spectators yes. at the Bell Centre. Uh, yes. I saw some uh, some comments online, Canadian media uh, talking about how it's only 2,600. Okay, Toronto media uh, saying oh, it's only 2,600. <laughs> uh, just relax. It's only 2,600. And I had to chime in and say 2,600 makes a difference yeah. when you go from zero. Yeah. Like, we went through 2,600. We went through it in this building with Mark Stone scoring a five-point night against the Minnesota Wild. Like it, there's an impact of 2,600 in the building. I agree with you 100%. Like, I understand the desire um, from certain factions uh, in, in certain places in, in Canada to kind of downplay it a little bit, but anytime you get your first taste of fans in the building, 
when you haven't had it for as long as the Montreal Canadiens have, haven't had it for, you want to celebrate that as much as possible. And that's going to bring an energy into the building that is not the same. It's going to feel different. And I think that's a good thing for the players. It really is. Like, the more exposure those teams can get to fans in the building before they come out of that division and before they get into buildings here in the States that have 10,000, 12,000 fans, the better. Because that's a whole different thing to, like, readjust to. Uh, Taylor Hall of the second-round bound Boston Bruins Mm -hmm. says he wants to sign long-term with the Boston Bruins. Uh, I just want to note that uh, that he also wanted to sign long-term with Arizona, uh-huh. also wanted to sign long-term with Buffalo, and now wants to sign uh, long-term with Boston. The difference is he's having success uh, with the Boston Bruins. But uh, this uh, an interesting quote. It says, I do want to play in Boston, and uh, not just for one or two more years, hopefully a long time after that. But I don't even know what my worth is right now. He's not, he's not the only one. Like, I don't That's, know what his worth is right now. I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of, of, I think, question marks just in terms of what any, like, what any deal is going to look like with a flat cap, right? But um, I think he really means it this time. Like, <laughs> if I'm Taylor Hall and I look at what I've been able to do as a Boston Bruin, I look at the fit, I look at the guys I get to play with, like, I think this is a perfect landing spot for Taylor Hall. I think it's the exact right place for him. Uh, to, to find some success and you know I could see it happening I don't know what that deal looks like I have no idea no clue point per game player when he joined the Boston Bruins after the disastrous start uh, with the Buffalo Sabres uh, signed that one-year deal I question why he took the one-year deal uh, even though it was eight million dollars yeah uh, but I thought he should have signed somewhere longer term looks like he may be rescuing some of that lost worth mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much but the Boston Bruins uh, hooking up uh, with uh, a team that uh, that's going to be uh, I think a pretty good challenge for that top line on the New York Islanders they'll play game number one tomorrow yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to this one I am looking forward to Boston and the Islanders uh, Barry Trotz is just one of those coaches that seems to figure out exactly how and what he needs from his team in order to win in the playoffs and, you know, with the Boston Bruins, I, I trust their goaltending. I trust that they can find their offensive touch. I, I trust that they can score big goals. Uh, defending is always kind of going to be that thing for me with Boston. But the way that the Bruins were able to take care of the Washington Capitals, I like the Bruins in this series. I don't know that I'd be surprised if the New York Islanders won, though. Both the Islanders and the Boston Bruins were tighter to get into the playoffs than we thought they would be. Yeah. Uh, this is a three versus four seat uh, to get to the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, by the way, uh, in that second round, mm-hmm. the NHL is going to revise its COVID-19 protocols, and they're going to uh, modify the requirement for spectators to wear masks at games and by uh, possibly putting the plexiglass that has been out from behind the player's bench mm-hmm. uh, for most three quarters of the regular season remember when they did that yeah uh early on in the campaign so uh the guidelines will allow fans over the age of two to go without a mask if allowed by the home team so the home team will dictate whether or not fans wear masks in the arena uh for the second round that's for the american teams yeah that's interesting that's uh 
you know, every every day we wake up and, and it feels like progress is being made. It feels like we're taking steps in the right direction, and that uh, that's good news. Uh, interesting, though, the revised mask rule will only apply to spectators. Hmm. Uh, protocols for teams remain in effect, meaning personnel, including players, uh, NHL, broadcasters, photographers, are required to wear face coverings in all public areas of the NHL arena. So you uh, you have to continue to wear your mask. I will do so. Okay. Please don't uh, please don't jeopardize our our presence here. Yeah, that's okay. fine. I got you. you. I'm hey, watching. No, listen. Okay, I'm, I'm watching you. I'm good. I'm ke- I'm keeping my eye on you as, over there. As am I. Hey, my favorite usher, uh, Raymond, came yes. over. He's yeah. always talking to me about the VGK Insider Show. Loves uh, loves stopping by. I'm I'm a fan of Raymond. That's I'm, awesome. I'm just. Uh, I'm a little disappointed that he can't hear this because he's working right now, getting set for this one. The door. We'll catch it on the podcast. The door's open. Yeah, you're right uh, about that. Hey, Daniel and Henrik Sedin. Mm-hmm. They're going to be part of the Vancouver Canucks front office. Congratulations. Do you know what they're going to do? No. Neither do the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, just, just do this stuff in the in, in the in the zone and and have twin intuition. That's that's really what it yeah. boils down to. Come on, it's a great one. And they were on the uh, the Donnie and Dolly uh, uh, show in uh, Vancouver. Uh, uh-huh. Donnie Taylor, one of my good buddies uh, up there, uh, and he had uh, Jim Benning on the show, mm-hmm. and he was uh, Jim Benning was quoted as saying, "We're still talking to them, just trying to figure out uh, what it's going to look like uh, from an organizational point of view." So it just seems like. Like very typical Vancouver in this day and age, where <laughs> they have tr- they're doing some good things, but have trouble getting out of their own way. Like the the, the Travis Green signing, uh huh, pretty obvious. Yes, why didn't it happen sooner? I like, don't know. Take away all the uh, all the angst and the and the conversation. So uh, it's it's uh, Jim Benning uh, went on to say, coming up with a plan uh, as to what they're going to be involved in and what they're going to do. Hmm. Uh, the uh, identical twins were retired after the 2018 season, after 17 seasons. It gives you great optimism that it's going to work. Yeah, I do. I do like them, and and I think it's it's a great addition to the front office. Mm-hmm. But are they going to be assistant coaches? Are they going to be uh, managerial consultants? Uh, you you have a manager, you have a coach, you have a coaching staff. Like where do, where where do the Sedins? Uh, where's their influence? Like, you're not bringing them in to be ambassadors. I I got it. Directors of hockey strategy. Yeah, no, that's um, that's that's what the Toronto Maple Leafs have. I know they should they should uh, get that director of hockey strategy to work on defending two on O's. Oh come on! That's that's what they should do. That, but that like the two on O gave you exactly what you wanted. A chance for this to go seven, with the Leafs up three games to one. Yeah. So everybody that, that's up in uh, arms that, that that the Golden Knights for a second straight year, or third straight year, uh, have uh, built up a three-one lead uh-huh. and are going seven games. Yep. Just just take a look around the league right now. Winnipeg upset Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Montreal's threatening to go seven against uh, the highly-powered Toronto Maple Leafs. Like there's there's upsets abound. So just just take that in. It's not just Vegas. Other teams trying to win, too. Those are your uh, one-timers for this Friday. May the hmm on Fox Sports. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. 
Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Pre-game show, game seven. Golden Knights of Minnesota Wild coming up at the top of the hour with Ryan Wallace. Puck drop just after 6 o'clock from T-Mobile Arena. First game seven ever in Las Vegas in the National Hockey League. A chance to clinch a series on home ice for the first time ever in Golden Knights history as we continue to look ahead. Bringing in Chris Chapman for catching up with Chapman. And I just want to warn you, it's game seven, a historic night. This better have something to do with hockey. Yeah, well, you told me yesterday that I needed to be positive, bring some positivity to uh, to to the show today because I was, well, less than positive yesterday. So uh, you were a downer. I was a realist, but the positivity I will bring, I would like to remind people that in 2014, Alec Martinez, and now obviously member of the Golden Knights, played in three Game Sevens, ended up winning a Stanley Cup. So. Playing in a Game 7 could be something that propels you to a championship, or it could be the end of your season. But we'll be, we'll be positive. <laughs> we'll be positive here, and we will say that hopefully this propels the Golden Knights to uh, a Stanley Cup championship. Hey, hey, Chapman. Yes. Do you remember what that first Game 7 was? In that, in that run? Do you remember? Was it against, I want to say, San Jose? It was against San Jose. You they want to know? They were down three games to none in that series. Is that the right one? Yeah, the Kings were down three games to none, and they won four straight. And game <laughs> seven wasn't particularly close either. <laughs> and, and of course, Marc-Andre Fleury has a, has a good uh, record in game sevens as well. So we will... Uh... This is his eighth game seven. At Pete DeBoer. 5-0. and oh will coach his sixth game seven. Five and zero with three different teams, mind you. Uh, Minnesota Wild have been in three game sevens three, as a franchise. Yes. And they've been around 20 years. <laughs> well, we can, we, can, we can add this, right? So, so this is Pete DeBoer's, you said, sixth game seven. His second, or his third, I should say, involving the Golden Knights. Pete DeBoer, obviously, two and zero in both game sevens involving the Golden Knights. So... Maybe, maybe some good omens there. You just made that really confusing. No, no, there's nothing confusing about it. He he was a part of both of the first two it, game it's sevens. Not, it's not confusing. It's uncomfortable. Well, yeah. the, the, what's comfortable is he won both of those game sevens. Okay. <laughs> you uh, want positivity. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, really, I mean, really reaching you, for you, it. You, so. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that just uh, contradicts each other. Thanks, Chapman. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you next Thursday. Uh, it's, a, it's an extended, extended long weekend. Uh, we're off the air Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, next week. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're really not. We're looking forward to we it. We actually have a show Tuesday, Wednesday. Just Do we? That, Do we? Uh, oh. We're just telling Chapman that. Uh, so, uh, Ryan uh, Chapman, oh, Two quick thoughts, uh, okay. one from each of you, regarding expectations tonight. Uh, start with Chapman. I expect a fast start, right? Like, like it sounds cliche, and that's kind of been the mantra of the whole series, quick start, quick start. I think they need a quick start tonight, like a two-goal quick start in the first period. And I think they, they will be very comfortable going into the second and third period if they are able to do that. I'm also like you. I... I, I hate to steal things from you, but I think Keegan Colasar is going to be a factor. My expectation for tonight is that Mark Stone has one of those superstar performances. Mark Stone has one of those games where you look at it and you say, everything about Mark Stone captaining this team makes 
sense. I expect the captain to come through in the biggest stage, in the biggest game in this franchise's history. Our buddy Bruce Cusick uh, will do the introductions. Uh, Ryan Reeves, if he starts, uh, that'll be a roar from the people uh, as Reeves are expected to return the lineup after a false positive. And I wonder if Max Pacioretty makes his uh, 2021 Stanley Cup playoff debut tonight. Uh, don't know. Like, there's no indication that it will happen, but there's no indication that there's been any type of setback after skating. We do know Marc-Andre Fleury is going to start in goal. Yes. And the Vegas Golden Knights can earn a trip to the second round for the third time in four years with a victory tonight on home ice in Game 7. 17-10 and 10 in home in the Stanley Cup playoffs for the Vegas Golden Knights. Won 70% of the games at T-Mobile Arena during the course of the four years during the regular season. Go by those odds. Really good chance that the Golden Knights will advance. Uh, the VGK pregame show. Looking ahead to Game Sevens coming up in a matter of minutes with Ryan Wallace. Then it's Gary Lawless and Dan Duval with a call just after 6. Thanks for listening to the VGK Insider Show. We'll talk to you after the holiday Monday, next Tuesday, on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Thank <laughs> you.